I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Can you say amen? Amen. Carl, still got a good report, my friend? Still good yep. report? Yeah. Give Carl a hand. Great report. <laughs> First report wasn't a good one, but the second one was an awesome one. Okay, you can be seated. I have a joke to tell you, but it's actually kind of a true story joke. And, and this is, uh, you, you like to laugh? Sure. You, that was awfully slow on the draw. You like to laugh? Okay, good. I'm married right. to okay, you. Okay, good. All right. Now, uh, absolutely. <laughs> it's, uh, it, uh, uh, Ed Meese was part of Ronald Reagan's uh, cabinet, and, uh, and, and he, he loved and still does Ronald Reagan. I, I think he was a great president. But anyway, they were interviewing him one day, and they said, uh, what was... Uh, Reagan liked to work with and be around, and he told him, he said, he was a funny guy. He said, always turn something into humor. And he said, well, what was his funniest joke? What was the favorite joke of Ronald Reagan? He said, oh, without a doubt, I'll tell you this, his funniest joke. He told it over a thousand times, and he used it, the punchline, in many of our meetings when we would meet in the White House, no matter what the crisis was. And uh, so here it is, okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm ready to laugh. I'm ready to laugh. Uh, the joke concerns twin boys. They were five and six, and uh, the parents were worried because they were developing extreme personalities, but extremely different personalities. And uh, so they finally decided it got so bad that they'd take them to a psychiatrist. One was a, a, an exciting optimist, and the other was just a total pessimist about everything. And, and they were twins. So the first, uh, the uh, first, so the psychiatrist took the pessimist first, and they took him into a room full of toys, every toy you could imagine. A little boy walked in and looked all around that room, and he just started crying. And, and the psychiatrist said, what's wrong? What, what is wrong? That's not, you know, your normal response. And don't you love those toys? I love those toys. I think they would be great to play with. So, well, why don't you go in and play with them? He said, I'm afraid I would break them, and then somebody would be upset. Everybody said, that's the pessimist. Then he brings the next boy. The psychiatrist got the optimist, and he took him in trying to figure out, okay, why is this kid always so excited? What's going on here? And he had a room full of manure, and the little boy walked in and looked at the room full of manure, and he ran into the room, and he started grabbing it and throwing it out, and the psychiatrist shook his head and said, I can't believe this. What are you doing? He said, with all this manure, there's got to be a pony in here. This is how it affected Ronald Reagan. No matter how serious, this is Ed Meese speaking now, he said no matter how serious the situation was in America or in the world, Ronald Reagan would look at us and he'd say, well, there's got to be a pony here somewhere. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and tell him, there's got to be a pony in your life somewhere. Honey, we're talking today about and tonight about asking God's intervention. It's your legal right that ask according to his will and whatever he wants us to have, we will have it. Do you believe that? Yes. How's it working in your life? Well, I'm asking for several things that I believe are the will of God. Okay. I haven't seen them all. How many of you know you can ask? There's a timing issue, but we have the legal right to ask. In fact, the word of God says ask lots of times. 
And uh, if we're asking according to the will of God, then we know that he hears us and we know that we have those petitions. Sometimes we just may uh, have to wait a little longer than we wanted to for those things to come to pass. I think we have optimists and pessimists in the the body of Christ, don't you? Yes, I think you can be an optimist and a pessimist. These are a little slow when I ask you. Am Am I going too fast or? No. Optimists and pessimists, what do you think? You can be both. Both? What, what do you think I am sometimes? Uh, both? Both. It's okay. I, I agree. I both. agree. I can, I, if I'm on, I'm an optimist. Yes. And if I'm off, I'm a pessimist. Yeah. How about you? Same. Same thing? We just don't want to be pessimists at the same time. That's a real disaster in our house. One of us has to be the optimist, so we have to play the role if we have to, to bring the other person up to where they're supposed to be. Because, you know, if you get in unity about negative or positive... You have a situation. You either have the victory or you have defeat. And so we've learned over the years that even if you have to act like you're an optimist, you need to, somebody needs to take the other role if that starts happening because it's the devil that's trying to pull us down. Two pessimists at the same time are pretty bad news, isn't it? Yes. Well, we've <clears throat> done that before. It's really sad. Nobody wants to see us. Nobody comes to the party. It's a real pity. Full party. Let me give you kind of an overview. Uh, in, in, in the military, you have uh, uh, your manual that are your standing orders that tell you how to be the whatever branch you're in. And, and then you have the support forces all over. And one of my favorite movies is called Tears of the Sun. It's about rescuing missionaries over in Africa. And I just love that movie. Watch it a lot. And uh, there's one point when they're surrounded by the enemy. And they have to call in for forces. They have to call in for an airstrike. And they, they have the ability to fight the enemy, but they're surrounded, it seems like. And so they call in, and they have to go to this call-in network, and, uh, and they have to identify themselves. Everybody say identify themselves. They have to call in and identify themselves. And the minute they do, then that activates what is the response team, and the jets fly in and bomb the enemy and kill them all, and the good guys win, and and the movie ends up the way it should as the good guys winning. In our life, we have standing orders by God as to how we conduct ourselves on this earth, and that if we'll do that, then every need that we have is available to us. Everybody say available. Doesn't mean we have it. It means it's available to us. And if we call upon God by asking Him for whatever we have need of to accomplish His Word and His will, He'll do it. How many of you carry a cell phone that has, what's that lady that lives in the cell phone? Siri. Yeah, okay. This little lady she lives in talks to her a lot. I don't know how she fits in there, but, you know, she's in mine too. And the other day, Pam and I are driving, <laughs> driving, driving through Monticello, and uh, we're, uh, no, Logansport, Logansport. Wherever we were, we were somewhere, and we're driving through there, and uh, I've got, I'm, I'm looking for something on my cell phone, I don't know what it is, and I hit something, and, and, and again, I don't know what it is, and I'm trying to fix it, and all of a sudden, she starts, not screaming, but it was a pretty loud voice, you just ran a, red, a stop sign, you, as I said, there's no stop sign there, and I looked up, and there really was, in the background, and, 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 as she, and she said, you needed to stop, and I said, I'm not stopping, and then I hear this voice saying, I'm not doing anything. I can't stop. I'm not doing anything. I can't stop. I can't do anything. I can't stop. So we got her going off to my right. We got this girl and my phone going off telling me she can't stop, thinking I'm talking to her. And I can't find where I'm going because I don't even remember where it was, and it doesn't matter. 
But in a moment's notice, the, it was a fever pitch, and then all of a sudden we just looked at each other and started cracking up. And finally I said, lady, we're okay. And I shut the phone and did whatever you do. And she went away for a while. I don't know why she started talking. <laughs> but she got involved in our conversation. I'm saying to him, it was red. He said, it's not red. And she, I said, you're supposed to stop. And she said, I can't stop. I can't stop. Yeah, yeah. Who are you? And why don't you get in our car? <laughs> And, and for a minute, I didn't know what she was talking about. I can't stop. I can't stop. I can't stop. I said, what is she saying? Well, anyway, she was trying to follow orders, but she didn't know what the game plan was. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 16, verse 9, 19, because I want to give you the premise for this whole message. And, and it's, it's a message that I have learned the hard way in my life with the Lord. But I tell you, it works, it works, it works. And this is basically... The, the scripture, this is a compilation of Jesus asking, do you guys know who I am to the disciples? And they said, well, yeah, some say this and some say this. <laughs> Peter said, no, you are the, you're the son of the living God. And, 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 and he said, you know, only God could have revealed that to you, Peter. And then he said on this revelation that, that, that this is what he's going to build his church. And, and, and then he goes on to say that what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He's talking about the heavenlies that surround us. He's not talking about where God lives. Where God is, everything is fine. But in the heavenlies, there's spiritual warfare going on. If you could see in the realm of the spirit, you'd see angelic forces. You'd see the ministering angels that are assigned to you. You would see the demonic forces that are trying to captivate the world. Because the ruler of this world is still walking around. And that is the devil, but he's been defeated by God, and powers and principalities have been defeated, and we have been given the victory. And that if we'll call in the airstrike, if we'll call in the power of God into a situation, instead of trying to handle it ourselves, an optimist, and, and, and I think the same thing is true in the realm of the spirit, honey, an optimist always sees the potential for victory. A pessimist is always describing the problem. It takes just as long to describe the problem as it does to call in the airstrike and get the power of God on the scene. And that's what you and I are called to do. You have, and every single person sitting here that knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior, has the ability to call in the power of God into any situation in our life. You know, uh, sometimes when I'm praying about different things and uh, asking the Lord about things, uh, and, and you know, you want to see them happen, and, but you don't know how to do it. And I've heard the Lord say to me before, why don't you just ask me? Well, you know, we, we just need to put that first. Everybody say first. <laughs> That's the first thing we do in a situation is to ask God, uh, what do you want me to do about this situation? Or ask him for something that we really have need of that we know is something that he's promised us in his word. Uh, you know, I, I learned a long time ago. I don't know where it was in scripture. I think it was Jesus. And he said... Um, he was praying, and he said, I'm doing this, uh, I'm saying this not like you wouldn't answer me, but I'm saying it so those that are listening know that you hear me. And he always said, thank you. Everybody say, thank you. You know, when you're asking God for something, you can say thank you at the same time because you know he says he's going he's gonna to do what he says he's going to do. And so when I started writing in my journal, I, it, my, most of my prayer requests are, thank you, Lord, da-da-da-da-da, thank you, Lord, da-da-da, because when you pray in faith, you have to believe when you pray that those things that you're asking God about, he's already there, ready to operate. 
but could it be that we have to ask? Because the Bible says you ask, but ask amiss, but it doesn't say you shouldn't ask. It still says you should ask. And in Matthew chapter 6, it says, ask and it shall be given to you. And so uh, it's, it's our part to make that asking uh, a part of what we do every day in every situation. We have an anniversary coming up. Okay. I give you a ring. Glory to God. Hey, now, in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, it says that, that it, part of the Lord's Prayer is, we continually pray this, thy kingdom, uh, thy kingdom come, thy that will be done. Let's all say that. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. One more time. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So we're on an assignment to bring forth the will of God into this earth, even though there is a ruler who is demonic over this world for the present time, but every single child of God who has the blood of Jesus who set them free is not under that ruler. And that we have the ability to walk on this earth as Jesus walked on this earth. And that's God's plan. And that's God's purpose. And that we do it by asking God for whatever we have need of to fulfill and to do His world. His word. An optimist always sees the victory and the good. A pessimist is always describing all of the problems. The optimist sees the victory and sees through. The pessimist is always trying to make things worse than they are, and many times we don't even realize it. A lot of people think that, well, because of their hereditary or whatever, that, you know, they're, they're like they are. It's true, your personality is formed at an early age, but your personality changes when Jesus comes into your life. How many of you found out your personality is a lot different than it was when you were out there running, gunning with the devil? You know that because the Holy Spirit is training and changing you from the inside out. This is what the word ask means, and it's so important that you understand this because your first response should always be not to describe the problem. Your first response should not be to go to the telephone and call up all of your friends and tell them how bad it is. Your first response should not be to meditate everything that's going wrong. Your first response should be, this is what I know the will of God is. It's to heal me. This is the will of God that, my, that I do not worry and that I'm not anxious. This is the will of God. And now I'm going to ask God for what I have need of in that situation. Now, when you understand this, this is what the word ask means. Uh, I think we have it up there, yeah. It means to request. It means to place a demand on, we ask with proper delegated authority, it's a claim that we have as a right, in other words, the righteous are now one with God, a lay and legal claim, a requisition. And again, I don't know why, but as I was praying over this message, I, I continue to think about the military. You get orders in the military, and no matter what you're facing, you go to the supply depot, and you get whatever you have need of. Whatever weapons, whatever uniform, whatever clothing for the environment you're going in, you have everything waiting for you, but you have to go and ask for it. And when you understand how important it is to ask, everybody say ask. ask. Turn to your neighbor and say ask. ask. Tell them again, I'll never forget the word ask. Because this has been my experience with people, and then even in my life from time to time, have I really asked God for what I have need of, or am I just telling people what's going on? I say the same thing to every one of us. Are we really asking God, God, this is what I need right now, and I know that the minute you hear me, I'm going to have it, because you quoted it just a moment ago, honey, but in 
James 4. James 4. It says, you, it, it says two things there. It says, you have not because you ask not. And then it says again, you have not because you ask amiss. Sometimes before we really are tuned in spiritually to God and the Word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit, we're asking for things that we're not going to get because God sees our hearts not right. But once God sees our hearts right, when we ask, when we will have what God wants us to have, but if we don't ask, we can miss the, we can miss the fullness of having what He wants us to have just by asking. And sometimes we can ask and we're not ready. Uh, you know, a lot of times we read things in the Word of God and we ask, but our faith walk really isn't at a place that can hold us where we think it is that we want to go. And so God in his mercy says, you're asking amiss, not that you wouldn't receive that, but it's not the time. Everybody say it's not the time. Uh, I want to fix what I, a minute ago I said Matthew six ten, and it's Matthew 7, 7 that says, ask and it shall be given to you. Then it says, knock and it will be opened to you for everyone who asks, receives. Everybody say, everyone who asks, receives that means not just asking for any old thing it's you have to take the balance of james that says you have to make sure you're asking according to what god has said that is available to us and oftentimes the whole word is available to us but i know in my life there's things that over time god released to me in my life that he didn't release at the beginning if he had i would have stumbled or i would have fallen because I wasn't ready to handle the responsibility that came with the things that I was asking God for. Yeah, I think we've all done that, honey. And, and I, I, don't, I don't exactly know how to give the right scripture for this, but I know in my spirit it's true. It is as if God cannot get his will done on this earth without someone birthing what he wants by bringing him onto the scene and asking so that he has the jurisdiction. Now, you can take what I just said and say, you got to be kidding me. God can do anything he wants. Well, if God can do anything he wants, the whole earth would be saved. But we know the whole earth isn't saved. The whole world isn't saved. And it's as if, if we don't call in the airstrike, the airstrike sets back at the base and doesn't come in and take care of the enemy at that particular moment. And in my life, uh, I, I, I made a little list. I was just praying. I thought the God, and thought the Lord said, just look at what I've done for you. And when I look at this, God's done the same thing for many of you. But until I got a hold of asking God, first of all, you have to know, God, what, what, what is your will here? And now what do I need to complete your will? And, and I was just praying today and just made a list of things that I'd asked. Obviously, number one was asking Jesus to come into my heart. I'm sitting in an office with where Charles Hackett wasn't there in his office out at First Assembly of God. And I'm sitting there with Joe Livesey, and, and Joe Livesey had taken me out to lunch. Joe, Joe really didn't know me at the time. And this we're sitting there, and he said, Bill, your whole life will change if you'll ask Jesus. Ask Jesus. Everybody say, ask Jesus. He said, if you'll ask Jesus to come into your heart. And I said, well, might as well. Nothing else is going right. I didn't say that, but that's what I thought because that's where I was at that point in time in my life. I'd never been in church. And so I said, well, yeah, okay. And so he, I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I didn't know what I was doing, but all of a sudden, 
everything is different. And then it progressed ahead. It progressed ahead to where I'm sitting on the edge of my bed one night, and I'm thinking, well, God, I, I would like to have a wife. Hey, God, if you have a wife for me, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I would like to have a wife. I'm asking you for a wife. And about, I don't know, it's about 10, 11 o'clock at night. I fell asleep. I, I, I cried myself to sleep, actually. I've been through a lot of stuff in my life. And woke up at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, and, and Pam's name was going off inside me, Pam's name, through a, a supernatural event. Uh, that, that, that time frame was probably four or five hours from the time I asked God until the time I saw it. Other things in my life have been years since I asked, and I still haven't had them, but I just know it's getting closer and closer. Tell your neighbor, they're getting closer and closer. And, and then, you know, we, we told the story a lot about the Sudan, but I remember when, you know, we asked God for, you know, 15000 We didn't have the money in the checkbook. And we committed to $15,000. And then all of a sudden, we asked God for the $15,000. And it all came in supernaturally. And then, if you remember, we're sitting around talking one day. And I said, I just told Stanley, what would you do with $50,000? I just felt that in my spirit. And, and we had never raised $50,000 ever. And we asked God for the 50000 And I make it sound awfully simple. And it really was. It really was with God. Uh, but It was easy to ask. Then we had to develop the faith. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, receive it. <laughs> all of a sudden, now we got $50,000. Yeah. And, and then it just goes on and on and on. If we ask and God is in it and God wants us to have it, we will always have it. Yeah, I believe that we're living in a day where uh, people are going to need to ask God because the provision isn't going to be always the way we're used to yeah. it being. And uh, some of the things that are happening in our world today uh, Jesus has overcome the world. Everybody say, he overcame the world. And he said to us, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. But we're going to have to access heaven to overcome the world. And so I believe there's going to be places where we're going to have to know by the Spirit, really functioning by the Spirit to know how to ask and how to receive what God wants us to do to bring that into the earth. And uh, we're always going to participate in whatever God wants to do. That's the way he arranged it. We can't change that. So we have to prepare ourselves to be in position to be a partner to God in those things. I believe God wants to bless us. I really do. Always. I believe the Lord is showing me that if you if you know what my desire is, you know, and if you'll ask if I'm in it, I'll deliver. And if I'm not in it, forget about it. Don't be concerned about it. Just keep moving on. <clears throat> and I know some of you've heard this story a lot. Everywhere I go, I tell the story. I, I was going through McDonald's window the other day, and this lady looks at, looks at my car, and she says, wow, that's a beautiful car. And I said, God gave me that car. She said, God gave you that car? I said, yeah, God gave me that car. And she said, God gives away cars? I said, yeah, I guess so. He gave me one. You want a car? And she just smiled. said, yeah, I would like a car, too. Well, I don't know if God's going to give her a car or not. But I want to tell you the story, because a lot of times we miss God's best by not realizing that he's like our well, I realize not everybody had a father like this. My dad would give me anything I asked for if he didn't think it was going to spoil me. And then a little bit and of spoiling. And then a little bit of spoiling, too. I know, I know what you could say. But, but, but just about a year and a half ago or so, I, 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 was just, I was just thinking out loud. How many of you ever just think out loud, silly thing? I'm just thinking out loud, and I said, God, I would really like to have another new car. Can what? I just say something right here? Yeah. He's driving a 2001 car. I loved it. 
that he loves. I love that. That the shocks are so bad that if you hit a bump, everybody goes to the roof and back. No, I fixed it. I fixed the shock. Oh, did you? Yeah. I didn't ride in it. You've never been in a back seat. Uh-oh. <laughs> you want to get in the back seat? No. <laughs> Sorry I interrupted. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> this man, I'm telling you. So anyway... So anyway, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful mint-conditioned Park Avenue. I love it. I'd still be driving it today, except I thought about that, and I thought, you know, God, I'd just love to have uh, uh, another new car. And, and it just would not leave me. I'm not into things. I, I'm really not. But, but it would not leave me. And so I started looking around at cars, and I finally narrowed it all down. I found that I liked a Buick, Par- a Buick uh, LaCrosse, the new Buick LaCrosse. It's a... Uh, new sparkly white uh, with this real nice leather interior and and, and I, so I found the one I wanted and uh, I just forgot about it I told Pam, I showed the car to Pam she said you can buy that car I said nope never going into debt again never going into debt again and uh, so n- nothing much was said I, I told her I said if if God wants me to have a car he'll give me a car and then I'll give my car to my grandson uh, Carter and uh, nothing happened. You know, I, actually, I forgot about it, really. And then I get a call one day from Pam, and she says, there's a couple that called me. They want you to call them. They've been praying. At least that's what they told me after I called them. They have been praying, and God told them that they needed to buy you a new car. Do you have a new car that you would like to have? Glory to God, do I have a new car? So I call them up and I talk to them because I can't believe it. I really can't believe it. I've heard these stories before, but I've never been part of one. Well, that's not true either. We had a guy give us a car out in Tulsa, uh, but, but it's kind of true because it's a new car. It's, so anyway, I called them up and they said, yeah, do you know that, what kind of car you want? Now, I've already found everything I've done is kind of a due diligence. So I already knew. I said, yeah. I said, tell the salesman to call us. We'll take care of it called the salesman up, and he said, what? I said, yeah, uh, you know, this is what's going on. I believe God's in it. God's doing it. Really ministered to him. He's the born-again, spirit-filled Christian. And, and, and so anyway, it was, it's got everything on it that you could want on a car, everything on it you want on a car. That was simply, I believe, God answering a prayer that he wanted to answer. Because when I first got saved... I'm first saved, and I think God is blessed because he has now got me back in the year 2000. Now, you think that I'm kidding. That is exactly how I feel. God, I got a lot of business background. I'm here to help you. You think I'm kidding. That is exactly how I felt, full of pride, full of arrogance, full of conceit. And I said, and I was in debt, too. You know, I was going to show God how to do it, and I'm in debt. And I said, God, here's what I want. I want you to get me out of debt immediately, and I want a Lincoln Continental. That's exactly what I prayed. I want to, because I saw John chapter 14, verse 14. I read it one day, one of the first scriptures I ever learned because it was real easy. You ask anything in my name, I'll do it. (laughs) Glory to God. I got a list for you, God. I went out of debt. I want a Lincoln Continental. I never got out of debt until about 20 years later. Took us about that long, about 20 years later. And I never got a Lincoln Continental. But I lost the desire, never to get out of debt, but I lost the desire to have the Lincoln Continental. But, but because God knew I wasn't ready. He wasn't going to bless me because I didn't know what I was doing. I believe that's how he operates, honey. I'm talking too much. Oh, no, I'm, I'm glad to listen after your last comment that when I talked. <laughs> I've become a listener over here. 
Go ahead. I'm ready. I'm wound up. <laughs> I know. I can tell. Um, you know, I, when, he, when he gave me this message uh, to look at, you know, to do this with him tonight. <laughs> anyway. Um, he, yeah. So I was thinking about this message. And, uh, yeah. Just clear my throat. I, I, now, be serious. Okay. So I was... I was thinking about this message, and my friend called me last night from Mexico, the one where I went and did that ladies' meeting, and I've been hooked up with these gals for, I don't know, the last 15 years doing women's conferences, and my, my one friend has a school. Bless her heart, she's, she's doing this by herself, and she's got a school, and now she can buy this property, which she's been waiting to buy for a long time to take her school to another level. Uh, to add the high school, the middle school, and she has to have more property. And uh, the lady behind would never sell to her. Now, you know, this is like buying property out in the woods. I mean, this is not like lavish property or anything. But um, the, the woman passed away, and her children inherited it, the property. One of them uh, lives in California, and uh, one of them lives in Mexico. But do you know, because of the dollar and the money exchange, it's much better to get American currency than to get uh, the Mexico currency because Mexico not only has a high exchange rate, I mean, different, I mean, you lose money uh, in Mexico uh, in, in the American dollar. So in America, those pesos, you know, we can get a lot of pesos for a dollar. And so the woman in California said, well, we want to do the sale in America, not in Mexico, because there's a lot of taxes in Mexico. I guess we think we have taxes, but they have more. So long story short, I couldn't understand exactly all she was saying because her phone kept going off. And this, this young lady lives there, so she speaks mostly Spanish all the time, very rarely English, except when she's talking to me. And so I get Mama Pam, Mama Pam, Mama Pam. She calls me Mama Pam. And so I'm hearing all this stuff. So I called her sister because I usually travel with the two of them, and uh, or she, it told her I'll call her sister. Her sister called me today and said, Gina just needs something like $68,000 by Monday. Mama Pam, we need $68,000 by Monday. I'm thinking, hallelujah. This is one of my kids calling me, <laughs> telling me, oh, we only need 68000 by Monday. I said, well, how much do we have? And she said, well, Gina has... 300 and something, something pesos, which turns out to be about 30,000 or the 60-some thousand. And, and Marilyn said, I think it's closer to 60, but I don't know for sure because of all the money exchange rates. And, uh, and she was sending money, and we had felt to commit. They had asked 100 people to give $6,250, and that would be... The amount, it's 600 and whatever thousand dollars that would be, 10 times 62.50. And, uh, but we hadn't heard anything because sometimes in Mexico, things just happen like, okay, today we're going to sell it. You know, today, today we decided to sell it because we need money. It's not like in America, you know, where things take, you know, a long time. And so she took a bus, Gina took a bus from Port Escondido, where her school is, all the way to Mexico City overnight, 12 hours on a bus because she didn't want to pay the plane ticket because she's saving her money to buy this property. Then she's taking a bus to go to Oaxaca City, which is another overnight trip, 
getting on that bus with an attorney and going over the mountains, which is a all night going round and round like this for 12 hours, back to Port Escondido to make, meet with the attorneys on Monday to close, and she has to have this money. It's a third of what she needs for this house. And they're calling me to tell me, uh, we're believing God we're going to get this. Just send your money. Well, I said to Pastor Bill, they're ready for the money. He said, I haven't even seen a video. <laughs> I said, well, this is Mexico. This is Mexico time. And I thought today, I was in my office, I said, okay, God, I need $6,250 by Monday. I need it because these kids need my money. <laughs> How many of you know as a mom you want to help your kids? And I believe in this girl. I believe in what she's doing. Now the vision has escalated to because they can't get teachers trained fast enough in Mexico, they've decided to just have a university instead. That was just a thought this week. And so they, they can have a university and, in Mexico, and they can train the teachers so they'll have more teachers for their Christian school so they can have higher education and qualified teachers to teach their kids. So now they're going to turn that other part and try to put university level teaching and bring people in so they can make more people good teachers to teach their young people to be all God called them to be. Everybody say vision. vision. But they need money. Everybody say money. money. Well, I don't have 6250 and we don't have 6250 extra right now, but I thought I am going to ask God. So next week I'll tell you about my miracle cuz I'm going to get that 6250 and get that money to those girls because you know, God had them call me. And uh, and I just believe that I've been hooked up with them as a channel to help them in another country. Mary Lane is in this country. She's already sending hers, and I'll send mine. And I said, that doesn't make 60-some thousand. And she said, that's what Gina's husband said. <laughs> he works for the government. He said, that doesn't make it. But by Monday, this girl's faith, I've seen it before. God will answer that because he has put that dream in her heart and the opportunity. Everybody say the opportunity. The opportunity has knocked at the door, and it's time. And, and you don't need 100 days when God says it's time. That's right. That's a good word, honey. Father, we pray for Gina. We pray for the vision. We pray for the 625,000. Is that correct? Yeah, that's Yeah, we pray for the whole 625,000, but whatever this first chunk is and our part of 6250 or whatever my wife has got us committed to through you, we just ask for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. And everybody said amen. amen. You know, we're going to uh, just roll some scriptures up there about asking. You can just roll the scriptures and take a look at how many times, and this is just a few in the Bible of Jesus talking about you asking for something. John 14, 12, verses 14 says, Whatever you ask, I think we got it up, there you go. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that my Father may be glorified. John 15, 7 and 8 says, If you abide in me and my word abides in you, Ask whatever you will, and it shall be done. Herein is my Father glorified. Asking again, John 16, 23, 24. Ask and you shall receive. Matthew 7, Pam, you already quoted it, 7 through 8. Ask and you will receive. Mark eleven twenty two 22 through 24. 
speak to the mountain, be removed. Whatever you pray, whatever you ask, it shall be done for you. In other words, time and time again, Jesus is talking about us asking. James chapter 1, verse 5 through 6. If we lack wisdom, ask for wisdom, it shall be done. You know, God is never limited by money. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is never limited by anything. And, and, and if you understand this, then it will take you in a new dimension of faith. Sometimes when we ask, it's almost instant. Sometimes when we ask, it goes on and on and on and on. The, the, the example for me, honey, that comes to me, you were talking about money. Most people, when it, when it comes time to move out for God and do what God's calling you to do, they have two basic fears that attack them. Number one is the fear of failure. Number two is the fear of finances. None of those are of God. They are of the devil. We are not limited by anything. All of us have failed somewhere along the line. We just get right back up. Though I fall, I shall arise. I fall seven times. I arise eight. I get back up. I move on because I learn from that. There are no failures unless you don't learn from your last mistake. But if we learn from it, then we just keep moving on. And the Word of God is so clear. And, and the, the, the example that came to me was the first golf outreach that we did for the Sudan. We didn't have the $12,000. Uh, no, yeah, it was $12,000, I think. Is that right? $12,000. $12,000. We raised $11,000. And I felt like in my spirit we were supposed to birth with Stanley the Dreamland Children's Home with 131 children right now. Oh, speaking of the home, do we have a video? Let's show the newest video that came in and crank up the volume because we want to hear the little kids if we have it. I'll go ahead and talk until she gets there. But they, I got this letter that they needed, $12,000. We didn't have the money. You just tell me when you're ready. They did, we didn't have the $12,000. and this Don't have it? Okay, that's right. Tw uh, if you find it, let me know. Uh, we didn't have the $12,000, but when I got the letter, I prayed over every letter that came in from missionaries, and I felt like help them, just like with Gina, help Gina. Uh, we, we felt that in our spirit to help her for that $62.50. Don't know where the money is, but well, we know who has it. We're going to call in the airstrike, and God's going to drop $62.50 in. And so anyway, we, had, uh, we were committed to the $12,000. We were really tight in the church at the time. We held a golf tournament, and we raised $11,000 at 11 o'clock. The night before the golf tournament, I was ecstatic. I was happy. I was pleased. $1,000 was all that was left. No big deal, I thought. Ready to move into the arm of the flesh. We got ready to tee off that morning. The night before, I'd had to run to Walmart. The lady was standing there. She said, what's going on? I said, I got a golf tournament tomorrow morning. My grandson, my grandson plays golf. Can he come and play in the golf tournament? Sure. Tell him to be at the golf course, 7 o'clock. He shows up at 7 o'clock. I said, jump in that golf cart, and you're ready to go, young man. He said, whoop, forgot. My grandma said to give this to you. Came over and handed me a $1,000 check. As I opened the envelope with a $1,000 check, that made $12,000. This is what I heard in my spirit. If I said $12,000, I'll bring you $12,000. When we teed off, we had $12,000 for the glory of God. Everybody say, for the glory of God. When we excel and when we exceed and when we accomplish, it brings glory to God. That's why when we give our testimony, it's so powerful because when I, my car, it's not my car. It's not a new car. God did that, and I want people to know that. God is no respecter of persons, honey. And 1 John 5, 14 and 15, which is so powerful, it says if you ask anything in accordance, that's not what it says. What does it say? What does it say? It says that this is the confidence that 
we ask anything according to his will, he hears our petitions. Let's all say it. This is the confidence, confidence that I have in God. That I have in God. That if I ask anything, that I anything, in accordance with his will, in accordance with his will, I will have. I will have every petition. Every petition I have asked for. I've asked for. We asked for six thousand dollars for the well. Six thousand dollars for the well. And in the process, another church heard about it, and they said, "Can we build a well?" Well, let me see. Yes, you can build a well. Now we got the second well that's going to be dedicated next week. Now we got two. She's wells. got it. Oh, you got it. Go for it. This is this is the kids at the well. Oh, that's not it. It's that's a good one, it. though. That's a good one. Play it a little bit. Go ahead. These are our kids. This is Camp Rhino in, in Uganda. I never get tired of watching that. Raising their hope, lifting their hearts, the love of the Father's reaching. Envisioning dreams and building in strength. This new generation's rising. This is your money at work. These are the generations. 131 children over there. Raising their hope. Lifting 200 their total hearts, children in adults. Love of the Father's reach. Every one of them with the plan and a purpose orchestrated by God. And building. Still has some orphans to be supported. You can go ahead and you can go ahead and cut. I'm sorry. Oh, you got the well. Oh. Water, 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 most important need they have is water. It's true around the world, especially in the African continent. Clean water. Clean water. We have the ability to help them get it. It's like the boy walking down the, on, the, on the side of the ocean. You've all heard that story. He's picking up starfish and throwing them back in. The, the Camp Rhino has, I think, 68. There are probably over 70,000 people now that have fled to South Sudan. Last report I had was 68,000, and uh, you know you, you can't water 68,000 people, but we can make sure that the people in that area of the UN compound can be watered and be taken care of. And when the little boy was throwing those starfish back, many of you know the story, an older man came by and he said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm, I'm saving starfish. And he said, you can't possibly save all these starfish. They're everywhere. And he said, oh, I know I can't, but I can save this one. I can save this one as he threw it back. <clears throat> we can save the people in our sphere of influence by doing what God's called us to do. And honey, the tremendous importance of asking God and knowing that when we do that, 
we break through the ruler of this world and we bring forth the power and the authority and the dominion of God that he wanted us to have in the very beginning. Money will never be an obstacle. Failure will never be an obstacle. It'll just be a learning experience because we lean not to our own understanding. You know, uh, I'm a power of attorney for my mom, and uh, that just means that um, I have power uh, over her life to take care of her, whatever she has need of. Uh, I can go to the bank and and I can sign I can sign sign legal papers. I can do whatever I need to do to take care of her. And uh, I believe God has given us that right. Everybody say it's a right. He's given right. us the power of attorney to take care of whatever he asks us to do. And so we have the ability to, to sign, basically, for God in situations that come up. Um, in another area with the VA, I'm a federal fiduciary. Now, what that means is I have, I have all access to all of our money, but I report to somebody for what I do. Everybody say responsibility. I not only have the authority, but I have to be responsible. Everybody say responsible Responsible. for that authority. And uh, that's that's what it's like with God. You know, we have authority. We have the power to, to take care of the things that need to be taken care of. And, you know, God funnels the money to us. We sign, but we're signing for him. We're we're taking care of his business. We're we're uh, administrating his whatever needs to be administrated in this earth. But with that, we also have responsibility to him for those things that we do. And with, with the authority, more responsibility comes when we exercise the authority the way God wants us to. And I believe in asking, it's important that we learn to ask. But we ask maybe, and it doesn't seem like a big thing now, but once you have proven to God that you can handle that authority, that power of attorney, so to speak, or that, that responsibility, then God will promote you to another level of responsibility because he knows he can trust you and he'll give you more authority. He'll release that authority into your life so that you can take the kingdom. Everybody say, take the kingdom in the earth to another level for him and he gets all the glory. Everybody say, all the glory. God you know, he entrusts us with things when he knows that we're going to do with it exactly what he says to do with it. And so for my mom, I'm responsible to take her money that she gets and make sure that she has everything that she needs, everything. And, uh, and so, you know, we're, we're really careful. We don't, you know, do anything with her money except for her. Well, God watches that. I believe he watches. And it's just a minor thing, but that's how promotion to bigger things comes with God. And so if you never start asking, how are you going to know how big God is in those things that you could have taken it to another level in? And I believe that's what it's been with Pastor Stanley. Because, I mean, believing God for 12000 asking God for 12000 that was a lot because we didn't even have 12000 in the church checking account. But we were asking for what God wanted to take care of. And then 50000 when Pastor Bill said that to me, 50,000, you know, talk about pessimist. I'm thinking, wonder where he's going to get $50,000. But I didn't say it because God checked me. It was God's that's going to provide that 50,000. And then the 75,000. So, you know, whatever God's asking, it's because we've been responsible in learning to ask. Everybody say learning to ask. 
because he wants to show himself mighty on our behalf. I do believe that. I, I believe that. And, and what I was thinking about was your husband's wife. She, she had said one time, if anything, I mean your brother's wife, I'm sorry. Your husband's wife. Yes. You only have one wife. It's me. Yes. God bless. God bless. God bless. I only have one. Thank you, Jesus. And so anyway, anyway, she said, if anything ever happens, if anything ever happens to my husband, you know, we need to have something figured out. And I, t- I said to her, I said, honey, because he's a pretty wealthy guy. And I said, honey, if anything ever happens to your husband, we don't even know you. <laughs> she, she didn't think that was very That's funny. That's why he can't sign on the account. She didn't think that was very funny, but I did. But, you know, it says right where you are right now, God is watching what you're doing with what you have. Because you may say, well, $50,000, I just wish I had $100. Right where you are, he's watching your faithfulness to do. Are you doing with your business, your life, your marriage, your family? Are you doing what God is showing you to do right now? And then are you asking for the things to help get done exactly what you're doing? And then when you do that, God begins to bless you and open the windows as long as you're putting a demand. And I know it sounds a little funny to say, but it's not. You're putting a demand on God by saying, God, I am am in need of this. You have currency that says uh, payable on demand or something. You go to the bank, you have an account in the bank, you know, you can go in and demand to have your money back. It's not a word like we think like a mean word, like, God, I demand you just, no, no, it's that you're just saying, I have a need of a withdrawal here. I have a need right now, and God will meet that need. John chapter 16, 13 through 15 says this, that the Holy Spirit has been given to us to reveal the truth of the Word of God and to declare to us the things of God. She'll have it up there in just a moment, that it, you, you know in your spirit what God wants you to know right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, you already know. You, you may not be able to wrap your mind around it, but you don't have to mi- wrap your mind around it. You just have to wrap your spirit around it and say, I know what God is saying. When the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. There are things in my life, and I'm sure there are things in your life right now that you probably can't even articulate because you don't know exactly what all it means. There are things in my life, I know what God has shown me. There are things that, oh my goodness, is this really God? And there are things over here like, oh God, I couldn't even explain that to my wife. I don't even know how, but I know this. I know what I feel. I know what I sense. I know what's in my spirit that God is putting there. And therefore, when I get the clarity of how to initiate it, I know if I ask God, I'll have every need. Because it says, he will glorify me, for he will glorify me. Now listen to this. This is so powerful. He will take what is mine and he will give it or declare it to you. When Jesus walked on this earth, he lacked absolutely nothing because he always did the will of the Father. He always asked his Father and he was one with his Father and he had power and authority and dominion Exactly what Jesus had is what we now have ourselves, honey. It's ours. You know, I just feel to say that how many single moms do I have in here? Single parent, dad, mom. Yeah. Uh, I encourage you, uh, don't be looking to anybody else but the Lord to take care of you. Because he will do it. He will be whatever you need for your family. I just feel to give you that word today. I was a single mom for many years. And so... In that time, I learned to ask God because I didn't have anybody else to ask. And 
if you will ask him, he will provide because that's what he wants to do. He is a father to the fatherless. Everybody say, a father, father to the fatherless. the fatherless. And a father is someone who takes care of his children. Yep. And so, you know, there may be a situation where you say, well, my kids have a father, but he doesn't take care of You have a higher authority. And if you ask, you need to hear this word, you need to ask. You need to ask for finances. You need to ask for wisdom. You need to ask what to do in situations. You need to ask how to take care of them. And you need to believe that you will receive instruction exactly for what you have need of and provision. Okay? Let's all stand to our feet. That's a good word, honey. Hey, uh, you don't need to go to the piano. Let's just stay up here and let you pray for people, okay? Oh, go for it. That's called being over real quickly, but it was a good... (laughs) I love it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I just love worship. I love it. Because when you worship God, He comes. You know, God God is no respecter of persons. And as much as I love to get that new car, when I had asked God, I said, I'd love to have a new car. But there's a second part to that. I said, my, my grandson, Carter, it really surprised me, but he's always loved my car. And uh, he had just turned 16. And it surprised me because it's a four-door Buick Park Avenue. You know, it looks like a young guy's car. And, uh, but but uh, he had always loved that car. And I said, I would love to give my grandson that car. I don't know how much car that was worth. I think probably about $7,000. It was never the amount, but I knew the worth of it. And I knew that $7,000 would be pretty nice to sell that car for. But nothing compared to the ability of giving the car to my grandson. Nothing compares to the ability of giving out of what you have for the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? Then I'm going to let Pam pray for all of you. I think that most of you are part of our church.